0: oh.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Protectors Podcast. Great guest today, Ryan Mannion. She is president of the Travis Mannion Foundation, and we'll get into that in a minute. Hey, welcome, Ryan. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Uh, we were just talking about our affinity of living in New Jersey for a bit, and it's uh, it's kind of exciting, the southern Jersey aspect of everything in this life. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jersey always There's always a connecting point in Jersey, right?
1: It's like the six degrees of Jersey. I, I swear, everybody I know has some sort of connection to Jersey, and it's such a small state. Yep. Hey Ryan, you um, the reason I had you on today was you have a new book out called "The Knock at the Door: Three Gold Star Families Bonded by Grief and Purpose," and you know your brother lost his life, was killed in Iraq in 07, and it, that essentially changed everything about you. Uh, hence the book and the foundation. Let's talk about that a little bit. How did the book come about?
0: So the book really came about um, after Heather, Amy, and myself. It was actually a little over a year ago we were asked to share our stories on the CBS Morning Show. And um, I had previously done a bit of media through the Travis Manning Foundation. Amy had as well. But Heather had really never shared her story um, publicly. Uh, She works with us as a program manager on the West Coast. And her um, late husband, Robert Kelly, was the son of um, retired General John Kelly, and you know she wanted to she wanted to share a story, and so we decided to do that, and we um, we talked about not just the loss of Travis, Brendan, and Rob, but we also talked about what came after uh, we lost them, and from there we were contacted. Um, by a, um, by a literary agent who said, you know, I think your story is something that, that, can, that other people can respond to and not just those who have lost someone through the military. And so we decided together that we wanted to share our story um, to not just highlight the, the losses um, through military service, but also to talk more about the idea of how you respond to when you get a knock on the door. And for us, it was a literal knock. We um, we found out that our loved ones had been taken from us from someone coming to the front door and knocking on it. But you know, everybody um, is challenged by the, those same type of same types of knocks throughout their lives, um, whether it comes in the form of an actual knock or just learning that you know your loved one has been taken away or a, any sort of life changing situation, um we all get those knocks, and it's just a lot of the book are revolved around how you respond to those knocks.
1: I definitely needed to get this book because I think it was it was roughly about two months when I got back from the war in oh six when I had a phone call that my brother uh was dead oh. and it was like it's one of those things where it just hits you as a shock
0: mm-hmm. and at the
1: time I, he was forty two years old, so he's actually and he was eight years older man at the time, and it, it's just uh now that I'm older than he was when he when he died, it's just you never really get over it and I always think to myself I'm like, you know, with the loss and everything, you just you think that eventually the pain is just gonna you know go away, I think it just transforms into something different, but that initial yeah. shock, yeah, it's just the it, and the the months afterwards, you really don't know how to deal with it, and I'm glad you have something out there that we can read, and and it's also going to be on Audible as well, right?
0: It is. It's actually out on Audible now, so you can grab your Audible copy. Um, And, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of my section of the book revolves around not just Travis, but, you know, five years after Travis uh, was killed, it was actually four days shy of his fifth anniversary, my mom lost her life to cancer. Um, and she was diagnosed very suddenly, no symptoms and when she was diagnosed, it was already state four and they told her she had eight months to live and and they were they were correct. She lived for about eight months after her diagnosis, but that for me was almost i don't want to say more shocking, but it was harder to deal with because i always I always navigated under this idea of when Travis was deployed, um, I I talk a lot about the idea that I really wasn't scared when he was over in Iraq. I wasn't nervous. It didn't say on my mind that something might happen to him because I just kind of felt like there's so many men and women that are over there and, and thousands and thousands. And of course, I knew that they there were ones that were sacrificing their lives, but you know, you I had this thought in my head like, not my brother, you know? And
1: mm-hmm.
0: after when my mom got sick, it was almost this like, oh well, I guess lightning striking twice for, for us as a family, you know? And so that was where I really started to dissect my feelings um around grief and loss and and try to really understand how you work through that in a positive way because you can you can go down some dark tunnels um and grief has a way of um you know it it changes you and it can change you for the worse if you let it and so i really was uh intentional about making sure that after my mom passed away that I w- led a purposeful life, and I did things to make not just my brother proud, but my mom proud as well.
1: Yeah, and um, I just like, you know, such a drive behind you, and that's what I love about your story. And it's, it's you know, how I found out about the Travis Mania Foundation was I, you know, I think when I first came to D.C. It was 2012. And uh, we did a run a bit after that. It was a Travis Mania Foundation, 9-11 Heroes Run. I was like, oh, this is so cool. And um, that's how we found out about your brother and, and the saying, if not me, then who? That just mm-hmm. – it's such – it's true. Yeah. I mean it, our service member, uh men and women out there, the sacrifices they make for our freedom are just – I think a lot of people forget. You know, They forget how much – how many people are still deployed and have deployed and are still suffering through some of the wounds.
0: Absolutely. And I think a lot of what we do at the Travis Manning Foundation is to make sure that's brought back to the public consciousness. And, you know, that run that you were at, I'll, I'll share with you a story. You know, that, that's our 9-11 Heroes Run. And we started that race in at, right outside of Philadelphia in 2008. We held our first 5K. And it was actually my uncle um, came to my parents and said, hey, I'd love to do like a 5K race. Um, You know, Travis and I love to run together. This would be a great fundraiser for the foundation. And I'm going to call it the 9-11 Heroes Run because we're approaching September 11th. And he said, you know, let's make it about not just Travis, but all of these men and women are first responders and our, our service members that have served and sacrificed. And, I mean, the race was literally, our first race poster was, my my cousin drew a, a picture of a star and we printed it off on a home computer on mm-hmm. an eight by 11 piece of paper and hung them up around town. And we had 300 people show up in a church parking lot. And I remember thinking, wow, this is pretty cool. Look at all these people here. They're all understanding what September 11th is about. They're remembering my brother. This is awesome. And my mom was like, I think that we should have one of these runs in every state across the country. And my dad and I were like, well, how about we just try to get like a thousand people in Philadelphia next year. But she was on to something because I remember her saying this race series should be like the Susan G Komen race for the cure for our military and first responder community. And here we are today in 2019, we had over 90 runs across the world and brought out over 60,000 people. So, There is a magnitude for the idea that people do want to be involved. They do want to pay honor to the men and women that serve, but they don't maybe always know where to turn to and how to do that. And so that's a lot of what we do at the foundation is we give those opportunities um, to everyone to kind of bridge that civilian and military divide. And for, for those that don't serve to, to play some sort of role in recognizing um, the sacrifices that these men and women make every day.
1: You know, you bring up a great point. A lot of people just look at like, Hey, you know what? I'll give $10 here. I'll give $5 there, but there's nothing more I can do. But by, by showing up to the races, even if you don't want to run showing up, supporting others, volunteer, there's plenty of opportunities to get into the community.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And no, we're, we're a, We're one of the largest um, veteran-serving organizations in the country, but, you know, I'll say a large part of our membership is made up by civilians and by men and women that just want to be around those that serve, and and our organization is a little bit different. Our programs are actually led by veterans, so we always say that um, we're not there to help veterans. Veterans are there to help drive our mission forward. Um, if they weren't there taking off their uniform and coming home and saying, okay, I've, I've stopped serving in the military, but I'm, I'm ready to serve again, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. So it's pretty incredible to, to watch it happen in real time and also understand that, like, what drives that innate sense of service uh, for people um, and, and how can we impress that upon our entire country? to feel that same call to service, not just in the military, but uh, just in general.
1: You know, as divisive as it seems, if you go on Twitter, I've noticed like in the past, like, you know, five or six years, more veterans are coming out of the shadows to serve in a different capacity. And yeah. as you, when you bring up the, the foundation and stuff like that, I find more, There's you're not getting as many rants as you're getting a lot more people saying, hey, how can I bridge this gap the military-civilian gap and this divide, and show how we are all similar, and we all do want to serve our nation one way or the other. Not all of us, but you know, a ninety-nine percent of us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's the the unfortunate thing in today's society is that salacious news is is what hits right, and controversy, and infighting, and all of that's that's what makes the morning news and the evening news and, you know, and everything else in a 24-hour news cycle. And, you know, it's hard to to push through that to showcase all the amazing things that are going on every day and all of these uh, incredibly awesome stories of men and women that are out there working together collectively. And if you look at our military, our military is by far the most diverse population of men and women in this country. They come from every walk of life, every ethnic background, every socioeconomic um, background, and they all come together to serve a common purpose and for a common good together, right? And so it's this grand experiment on the larger level of how our society is, you know, and it's like, well, if the military's figured out how to do it, then, then why can't we do it outside of there? You know, we figured it out on this microchasm of this one percent of the population that can come together. But how can we push that out to the larger masses?
1: Yeah, and and, and you know it, that old adage of can't we all just get along? It's true. Why can't we just start like a ripple effect? And that's what's great about your foundation and about your work and about and I'm, I'm feeling this book is going to help a lot of grieving families as well, but it's going to show that we're all similar in a way and that we can get along. We can, we don't have to agree politically or religiously, but we can, you know, get along. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, you know, I mean, the book itself is, it's not so much about grief. The book is really about resilience and it's about, you know, being the best version of yourself. And, you know, unfortunately for us, it starts with three tragic stories, but, um More importantly than us telling those stories, it's the stories of what we've gone on to do together um, and and the work that we're doing together to serve others and really, a lot of what we talk about is like the best way that that we have found to channel our grief is to be in service to others and I think there's something to say about that. I actually just read a article the other day. Um, And I posted it out everywhere on Twitter and all my other social media handles, because it was this whole article about how volunteering actually plays this large role in one's mental health. And, you know, through our work at the foundation and personally through the things I've done, like these holistic approaches to how we combat um some of the the things we're dealing with mentally, like they're huge. And I think we need to pay more attention to these types of approaches when we're out there um looking for solutions to some
1: of our bigger societal issues. Oh, you're absolutely right. Um there are a million opportunities to volunteer too. You can volunteer from your home, like online. You could coach, mentor, anything. Yep. But it it does help absolutely. Now, one thing I noticed, I was doing a little research for our interview today, and you have hashtag Operation Legacy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, what is that about?
0: So Operation Legacy is our um, national service campaign. So twice a year in November and then in April, a fall and the spring campaign, we execute um, hundreds of service projects uh, across the country. And bring out thousands of volunteers to to serve at these service projects, um, and they're called Operation Legacy Service Projects because each one of our service projects are named after a fallen service member. And so, when you show up, if you signed up for a service, one of our Op Legacy Service Projects, you would show up, um, and the the leader of the service project would start by sharing with the participants, um, who the service project was in honor of, and um, sharing their story. And because one of the things we, we find is that um, our families, and, and I, I say this from personal experience, you know, families of the fallen, like if you ask them collectively what's the one thing you want, it's, it's that their loved one's not forgotten, you know, that their story is continued on, and not just the story of how they died, but more the story of how they lived. And so this is a small part where we can play a part in sharing those stories and saying, hey, this is this is a service member from your area that served and sacrificed and learned their story and passed their story on. And and now we're going to serve in their honor.
1: And what a great idea, you know, because, you know. We do the Reads Across America, um, mm-hmm. just first time last year. And as you walk through the, I always call it the Garden of Stones based off the movie, and that's kind of what it reminds me of every time. Mm-hmm. Um, walking through Arlington, and you see the names, and you just wonder what the stories are behind them. But with something like this, you could actually get the story behind them and keep that legacy growing.
0: Yeah, and and the the cool thing about it is as the, as it's grown, a lot of the service projects, we have the families that will come and show up and be a part of it. And so you're you're there working right alongside the families um, of the the fallen service member. So you know it's it's pretty um, impactful to serve right
1: alongside them for sure. All right, now you know you are absolutely busy, and I gotta stop saying absolutely so much. <laughs> but really, you are. Um, we've had to reschedule this a couple times based on my schedule, and you're just relentless. And I, I really appreciate you coming on today.
0: Yeah, I appreciate being on.
1: How can we support your foundation and you?
0: Well, I mean, obviously, if I'm going to give my call, it's to go on and join our mission. You can go right on to travismanion.org, T-R-A-B-I-S-M-A-N-I-O-N.org, and um, join our mission. We've got a page right there when you first click on and and, um, just put a little bit of information about yourself, and you'll find out opportunities that are happening in your local area. And then, um, of course, I'm going to give a plug for The Knock at the Door to go on and order oh, that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and read that book, and um, and you'll learn more about the backstory about the Travis Manning Foundation and, and why it came to be, and, and a little bit more about the work we're doing today.
1: Now, do you all have more signings coming up as well?
0: We do. So we'll be – I'll be heading out to, um, to the West Coast um, on December 1st, and we'll be in – Coronado on December 1st, we'll be at the University of San Diego on December 2nd, uh, we'll be at Miramar um, Air Base on December 3rd, um, that's our little West Coast trip, and then we're going to come back to Philly, and we have a big event in Philly on December 10th um, that Enercom
1: uh, Radio Corporation is putting on for us, so, you know, we're stretching it
0: out and um,
1: just continuing to try to spread the word. Well, next time you're in D.C. area, hit me up, I, am, I need a signed copy. Cause I'm oh, going well, order, it
0: it yes, <laughs> order it today today. And then in March, actually it's March 26th. Um, we're going to, or excuse me, March 19th, we're going to be doing an event at Mount Vernon. Oh, great.
1: Um,
0: and, um, General Kelly is going to introduce us for that event. Um, and that's going to be, um, that's going to be an exciting event. So we're excited for that, um, to be at Mount Vernon and do a book event there. That'll be fun, but you get There's your book cool. today. And, um, Next time I'm in DC and I see you, I will sign it for you.
1: Great. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today.
0: I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jason.
1: Thank you so much, Ryan.